You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.podomatic.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Luke's English Podcast. Um, it's been a good weekend, and um, I've had a very good day today. I hope you have too. Um, wherever you are in the world, whatever you're doing, uh, whether you're listening to this um, on your own, maybe, maybe you're just sort of sitting there on your own in front of the computer. You could be um, in, you know, company. There might be people around you. Who knows? Maybe you're listening to this on your iPod or your iPhone or something. Um, I've no idea what situation you might be in listening to this. Hello to anyone else who might be there with you. Um, you know, well done. You're listening to Luke's English podcast. Congratulations for uh, listening in. Uh, you know, if you think if the if it's the first time you've ever listened to this, then uh, do keep listening because you're um, becoming part of an ever-growing community of listeners around the world who regularly enjoy the benefits of Luke's English podcast. So welcome to the club, basically. Now, um, one of the main things I want to tell you uh, in this episode is um, basically I'd like you to do me a favour. Could you do me a favour, please? Um, and that is I'd like you to vote for me um, in um, an awards competition which is being held by Macmillan Dictionaries. Now, Macmillan are a publisher and they publish very, very well-respected uh, English dictionaries and learning aids for people like you, right? And so what they've done is they've created a, a, a competition in which um, uh, people can vote for the best um, English learning website or the best English learning uh, blog uh, on the internet. And I discovered this recently as one of my listeners uh, told me about it on Facebook. And uh, so I thought, wow, I've got, to, I've got to get involved in this. I've got to try and uh, win this competition because I've been doing Luke's English podcast for nearly three years and I've been working pretty hard. There are at least 80 episodes of it available now, which is really a large... Um, you know, large body of work, I think. And if you're new to the podcast and you've just discovered 80 episodes, that's, I'm not sure how many hours of Luke's English podcast that is, but um, that's a long time. That's at least a few days of just listening to Luke's English podcast. And you can learn a hell of a lot from all of those episodes, all kinds of things, particularly items of vocabulary. And you can learn a lot about understanding different kinds of accents that you might hear. Um, and also, hopefully, you just enjoy listening while you're doing it. So um, I get regularly sort of at least a thousand downloads every day now, uh, which is quite a lot. Um, so I just think to myself, right, if maybe just, let's say, half of my listeners or three quarters of my listeners voted for me in this competition, I might even be able to win it, right? Um, now, I reckon I need about 1,000 votes, OK, because there's another website on there called Film English and they've got about 950. So I think I need to get to a thousand in order to win this. And the, the voting closes on uh, the 30th of January. So I've got about, let's say, about 15 days um, to try and get to a thousand votes. Um, now, if you want to vote for me, it's very, very simple. You don't need to register. You don't need to put any details in. Um, you simply go to my webpage first, um, and there you'll find a link. Um, so my webpage, you probably know, is http colon forward slash forward slash teacherluke.podomatic.com. Or alternatively, you can just go to Google and do a search for Luke's English Podcast. And it's hosted by Podomatic. 
So if you go there, you will find a link um, on the page uh, appropriate to this episode. And you just click that link and it will take you to another page and scroll down and you'll find Luke's English Podcast with a number next to it and then a vote button. So just simply click the vote button and that will add another vote to my list. Okay. Um, now you can, you can only vote once from one IP address. So if you vote once from your home, for example, you won't be able to vote from your home again. So you'll need to vote somewhere else. Maybe if you vote at home and vote at work, that would help. Um, you could perhaps tell some people about it and ask them to vote. It's very simple. You don't need to register at all. That would really help. Um, I've been asking all my friends and my family to vote for me, of course. Uh, and, I've, and I've invited um, listeners to this podcast to vote uh, for me already on Facebook. Um, and um, so if you want to vote, you can go to Facebook as well and you can find the link there. And my Facebook page is called Luke's English Podcast. As well as that, of course, you can go to Twitter and there my name is at English Podcast. And you can find links uh, to the web page on how to um, vote there as well. So please do vote for me because if I win, my prize that I get from Macmillan is a, is a dictionary. So I get a really fantastic uh, dictionary from Macmillan. And also I get the right to um, advertise or at least say on my web page that I won the award. So I get a kind of badge which I can post on my website. And I think that would be a really, really good way of further raising the profile of Luke's English Podcasts so that eventually I could spend more time on this because um, if it becomes well-established, there might be ways for me to continue doing this on a bigger scale, perhaps. I might be able to do episodes more regularly. I might be able to build a whole website with lots of different functions and maybe some exercises where you can practice various things. So I might be able to build something else. So I think it's a good way of starting to push the podcast kind of up to uh, another level, perhaps, because I think I'm getting enough listeners. I must be because my statistics tell me that I'm getting between 1,000 and 2,500 downloads every day, which is really massive amounts. I'm now spending quite a lot of money on my bandwidth and my storage space. Um, and that's at, um, I, I've now get 30 gigabytes of storage space and uh, three terabytes of bandwidth allowance, which is an incredible amount. And usually by the end of the month, I exceed my bandwidth allowance. I, I often transfer about 3.5 uh, terabytes of data in a month, which is just unbelievable uh, as far as I'm concerned, but I'm very happy about it. Um, so if, if some of those people voted, I might be able to win. Now what I'm going to do is, as an incentive for you to vote for me um, and for you to continue listening to Luke's English Podcast, I will uh, create my own competition, Luke's English Podcast competition, and you will have the opportunity to win the dictionary. So if I win the dictionary from Macmillan, then I will give it to one of my listeners as a special prize in my own competition. So fingers crossed we will win, and then one of you will have a chance to get your hands on that lovely dictionary from Macmillan, which I think we all agree would help your English very, very much. Um, don't forget also you can see all my videos on YouTube. Um, just go to YouTube and type Luke's English Podcast and there you can see all the videos that I, um, 
I've uploaded, which include interviews with people in the street, um, a couple of other interesting pieces. Um, so do check those out. Um, there's, there's full transcripts available for all those videos. Um, of course, on Twitter, I quite regularly tweet these days, and I tweet all sorts of things like little jokes or maybe pictures of things that I've seen. I sometimes teach bits of vocabulary in my tweets. So do follow me on Twitter and on Facebook as well. I share all my things on there and I, I kind of ask uh, people questions and I get feedback through Facebook. So um, do get involved and just uh, sign into those things. It's quite a lot of fun. Now, uh, just thinking of this idea of voting, right? Because obviously I want you to vote. I really want you to vote for Luke's English podcast. I was thinking about all the vocabulary uh, and language which we, which we associate with uh, the word vote. And so it just made me think of loads and loads of vocabulary for politics. So I think now I'm going to just tell you some of the things that I, th I thought of. And these are all bits of vocabulary that relate to politics and voting. So first of all, we have the word vote, right, to, to vote as a verb. I'm going to vote for, um, I'm going to vote for Tony Blair, for example, right? Um, and that's the verb, but also a noun, um, a vote. So um, in we're going to have a vote to decide uh, what we're going to do. So we're going to have a vote in order to make a decision, for example, to vote and to have a vote. Um, similarly, as a synonym, you can have to elect um, or to, to have an election, right? Um, note, uh, if you're perhaps a Japanese speaker, that word can be a little bit tricky to pronounce, election, right? Because you have to get the L sound, election. Now, if you... Uh, as you may know, Japanese speakers do have some problems with the R and L sounds, and often they're the same. So make sure you do get the L sound right on that word election, because otherwise it could be a little bit embarrassing. Um, just a little bit of advice there. So um, to elect someone would be to kind of uh, choose that person. If there's going to be an election where there's a number of people that you can vote for, if you elect one person, that means that most people chose that person and they then became the prime minister. So they were elected in, in um, an election because they got more votes than everyone else. Okay? Um, you can also say to cast a vote. And that's where you kind of make your vote, you cast your vote, or po possibly take a vote as well. So if you're in a meeting, for example, um, uh, and you're trying to make a decision, you'd say, OK, let's take a vote. And uh, either you would cast your vote on a piece of paper in a, in a box or something, or you would do it by show of hands, by show of hands. So if you take a vote by show of hands, by show of hands, that means that you, you decide by putting your hand in the air. So it'd be like, OK, what shall we do? Um, shall, we, um, uh, shall we launch the product or not? Um, um, so let's vote by show of hands uh, for yes. And then everyone puts their hand up, for example, uh, by show of hands. Um, let's see, in an election, like a political election, particularly here in the UK, um, when you vote, you go to a polling booth, uh, poll, uh, polling, so P-O-L-L, uh, ING polling booth and that's the place where you actually uh, vote uh, for someone and inside the polling booth now the, usually a polling booth is um, is like a children's school or like primary school or some public building like that so um, on election day you'd walk down to the polling booth and you go in and you cast your vote uh, and you do that in a, um, a ballot box ballot box so the piece of paper that you tick uh, that's your ballot paper. And when you've 
ticked a name, you take it to the box and you put it into the ballot box. Um, so the ballots are the papers which are used in order to cast a vote. Um, okay, and all those ballots are then co uh, collected and counted. Okay, and then finally the results are uh, calculated and we know who has been elected. Okay, um, so that's a polling booth. Um, also, we have polls which are like uh, predictions. Um, so if, for example, there's going to be a general election for a new government, um, there might be polls which tell you what we expect is going to happen. So the polls suggest that Labour are going to win, for example, polls. Of course, you have candidates in elections, and these are the people who've put themselves forward uh, for the chance to become the leader. So, of course, at the moment, we've got an American election coming up, and the candidates are getting themselves ready. Um, I think probably Barack Obama is still the top candidate, but we will see. Um, obviously, when candidates um, put themselves forward for an election, they then enter into a campaign. So often in America, the presidential campaigns are incredibly expensive publicity machines, which kind of go around uh, drumming up support for that candidate. Um, it happens in the UK as well. Before a general election, the parties kind of um, try to drum up a lot of support with advertising and so on. Um, lots of publicity. Now, in the UK, when, um, when you vote, we have a certain kind of system here. Um, so our system is, is called um, first past the post. First past the post. First past the post, right? And in that system, uh, the country is divided up into different, um, what are they called now, little regions, little political uh, constituencies. So the country is divided into constituencies, and each constituency is represented by one seat in the House of Commons. Okay? Now, everyone knows a symbol of London is Big Ben, next to the River Thames, the big tower, um, and that's attached to the Houses of Parliament. And in the Houses of Parliament, we have two chambers. We have the House of Commons and the House of Lords, okay? Uh, now, actually, Big Ben is not the name of the tower, and it's not the name of the clock. It's actually the name of the bell inside the tower. That's Big Ben. That's a common sort of misconception. People think that the clock or the tower is called Big Ben. Actually, it's the bell inside, and it's got a very, very um, sort of, um, let's see, very well-known sound the chime of Big Ben on the hour, every hour, it's very well-known sound, and Big Ben is a very big bell. And so it kind of goes, dong, bong, you know, very loudly. It's, it's brilliant. Um, so, yeah, two chambers, House of Commons, House of Lords. In the House of Commons, that's where the government sits and all of the members of Parliament who've been voted for in the elections, and they decide on new laws and all kinds of other big decisions involved in running the country, okay? Um, as well as that, you've got the House of Lords, and that's a secondary chamber, and the Lords are made up of either people who've been chosen by select committees organised by the government. So either, either they've been chosen by the government to sit in the House of Lords, or they inherited their position from their father, right? Now, that's the old-fashioned system of the uh, peerage, and um, so certain lords actually inherit their title from their fathers. And that's an extremely old-fashioned um, method of selecting uh, representatives in um, like a, 
of Parliament, for example. Um, and yet it still goes on. But I believe that that will probably stop uh, before long, uh, and they're going to stop that system. But the other half, uh, well, the other lords are actually picked by the government. And they are usually very uh, expert people with very good judgment, uh, very respected opinions, and they sit in committee uh, in order to kind of evaluate any law which is passed by um, the House of Commons, right? Uh, so it's like another chamber where they decide, like make secondary important decisions. It used to also be the highest court of appeal in the, in the country, but that's moved to the, um, what's it called now? Um, I can't remember the name of it now. But anyway, the, the Lords also used to make uh, judicial decisions, but that's been moved now. Um, I can't, for the life of me, I cannot remember the, the name of the place where they now live. But it doesn't really matter. Anyway, it's just another High Court. But in the House of Commons, that's where the, the politicians, the members of Parliament, sit. So each seat in the House of Commons, you might know the House of Commons from TV or something. It's quite famous because it's different to other sort of uh, parliament uh, buildings, government buildings, because um, the main chamber has seats that face each other. So there's like two sides and uh, all the politicians sit and face each other across this um, room. And um, the atmosphere in there is like very loud and really aggressive. So they shout at each other, they disagree loudly, they laugh at each other. There's lots of sort of camaraderie and jokes and uh, they make fun of each other and so on. It's very boisterous, very loud, uh, almost aggressive atmosphere in there. So each seat is rep uh, represents a constituency area in the UK, right? And so you, when you vote, you vote for a political party to be the representative of your area, okay? Now, if your party wins that area, then their representative uh, member of parliament sits in that seat in the House, okay? So basically, the, um, the party which got uh, the most votes overall, the, the one that, um, let's say, uh, has taken the most number of seats in the House, they become the government. Okay? So they have to win by a big majority. I believe it's 40%. I might be wrong. But they have to win by a majority, and if they do that, then they, they become the government. Uh, then the, the, the largest party, you know, the second party becomes the opposition, okay? Now, sometimes uh, the vote is kind of split, uh, like quite equally. And that happened uh, recently when the, we had like a quite an equal vote uh, cast. And um, so the Conservative Party didn't get an outright majority. So they teamed up with the Liberal Democrats and they became like a team government, the two of them together. And that's known as a coalition. A coalition government is like a combination of different parties. And there's a lot of compromise and often a lot of friction in coalition governments because often the parties actually stand for different things, which I think may be the case in our government at the moment. Um, so there you go. Um, the other f different kind of voting would be proportional representation. And that's where simply the votes are all counted and the party that gets the highest number of votes is the government. And... Um, so that's a common system in many places. Uh, I mentioned the opposition. That's the other party that sits on the other side of the House, and they take a kind of contrary position against the government. Uh, the government, um, when, they be, when they come into power, uh, they have ministers, of course, and then there's um, like higher-level ministers, and they would be cabinet ministers. Now, the cabinet is like a select 
um, let's say, committee or group of, um, of members of parliament which have been chosen by the leader of that parliament and they gather around him and they become the most important ministers. And so they have things like minister for foreign affairs or education or trade uh, for finance, things like that. Okay. So you've got the Prime Minister at the top, in this case at the moment it's David Cameron for the Conservative Party, and then around him he's chosen his cabinet, and those are uh, like the ministers for different ministries um, in the government, okay? Um, so there you go, that's like the, your basic um, like, uh, democratic election, okay? Now above, well not exactly above, but separate to David Cameron, the Prime Minister, we also have the Queen. And the Queen really um, doesn't have any power exactly. I mean, she has some power, but it's just sort of um, symbolic, really. Uh, David Cameron is the one who makes all the big decisions. But essentially, the Queen represents the state. So she's our sort of state representative. Um, and so the Queen and the state are synonymous with each other, the same thing. Um, and so, for example, if you commit a crime, uh, you would be taken to court and prosecuted by the Crown, or by the, effectively by the Queen. I mean, the Queen doesn't actually go into court and sort of prosecute you herself, but it's done in the name of the, the, the Crown, right? Um, so the Queen represents the state. She doesn't really have any power. She meets the Prime Minister every week, every Tuesday. They meet and they chat. They probably have a cup of tea and have a lovely time just sitting and chatting about what's been going on. And... Um, also, at the beginning of Parliament, when Parliament opens every year, uh, the Queen is involved because she sends a representative to knock on the door of Parliament. And um, he knocks on the door and there's this routine where he comes in and then they slam the door in his face because he's not welcome. And then he knocks again and they let him in. Okay, And that's kind of symbolic because it represents the fact that there is a division between Parliament and uh, the, the uh, Buckingham Palace. Uh, that because there was a civil war many years ago and actually there was a dis division there. So now it's been brought back together again and the government is actually the Queen's government but really she hasn't actually made any decisions. Um, but so there's your basic sort of democracy I suppose. Um, and um, now sometimes in elections um, they, there can be accusations or allegations of cheating. So that's things like corruption. So corruption is when, um, obviously, uh, people in positions of power abuse that power. They don't serve the public, they serve themselves. It's like cheating. So you get um, things like vote rigging. So that's where a vote is um, kind of, uh, instead of being fair, it's already been decided. Somehow they cheat in the vote uh, and they've they do vote rigging and also miscounting that's where you don't count the ballots uh, correctly so you count the wrong miscounting um, so they go sometimes you know uh, power corrupts doesn't it and absolute power corrupts absolutely right um, so power corrupts that's what they say in fact around the world there are various governments which um, seem to have some level of corruption going on. I'm not going to name any names here, but I think you probably know who I'm talking about. Over the last year or so, there's been lots of problems in various parts of the world with people sort of fighting against um, their, their governments, 
um, and the governments in some cases fighting back in quite uh, violent ways. Um, and that's always rather depressing when that kind of thing is going on. Um, so, so in some places you get things like an, uh, an uprising. That's where people um, just sort of rise up and fight back against the government. An uprising. Uh, it's sometimes, if it's very organised, it could be called a revolution. And that's where, um, for example, the people rise up and they take control of, uh, let's say, the means of production, I think. Uh, that's what Karl Marx used to say. He said that society was divided into um, the proletariat, the workers and the bourgeoisie. And the bourgeoisie are the ones who control, they own the means of production, and so they have control over society and the ideologies in society. But he believed that uh, the proletariat would rise up and they would uh, take control of the means of production um, uh, and then that would be a revolution. And it happens in some places. It's happened in, in um, Russia and it's happened in France and various other places, uh, revolutions. We also have coups, uh, a, milita a military coup or a political coup, and coup is spelled C-O-U-P. And a coup is where a leadership is um, like brought down and replaced with someone else. So a coup, like there was a coup in Iran in the 70s, for example, a famous coup in Iran. Um, but um, beyond that, uh, the public often will protest against what the government is doing. So you, you get protests. Uh, a protest is uh, like a public uh, demonstration in order to say that you disagree with something. And of course, recently there were the um, Occupy Wall Street uh, protests where people in America were going to, to Wall Street, where the banks were, and they were like camping out there and reclaiming the streets. Um, we've got a similar thing here in London, where people kind of camped out in the city of London near St. Paul's Cathedral um, as a protest against... Really, it was not very clear what they were protesting against, but I believe they were protesting against really the, um, the, the sort of moral decline in, in capitalist society, which is quite a big uh, topic to deal with. Uh, but it seems to be kind of a big deal at the moment. Um, a lot of people seem to think that capitalism isn't really working. Um, and you can see that in the economy, the way that the economies in um, these capitalist countries are failing because of credit, uh, this big credit crisis where um, everyone was lending money to each other all over the place, and they were lending these sophisticated financial packages to each other, and in the end, really, they were just lending debt around the world. And that's like lending no nothing. So there's like a, a vacuum of money. The money's run out, and yet we all seem to think we have more than we actually have. So there's not enough money to go around. So, of course, no one is lending money, and that causes businesses to, to kind of stall and go slow, and that causes recession. And it's very difficult to get out of recession, because on one hand, you could pump a lot of money into the economy, um, but that's very difficult because you, ha you haven't got enough money to pump into the economy. Or you kind of let the economy uh, just leave it alone, um, but then there's the chance it's just going to stagnate and it's not really going to go anywhere. So it's a tricky decision. Um, also, of course, in London last year, we had the famous London riots. Uh, not the first time we've had riots in London, but this, this, these ones were pretty um, big. And those, were, those broke out in various parts of the city. It started in Tottenham in northeast London after um, a man was shot by police, or allegedly shot by police, um, 
uh, pe- people in the crowd um, accused the police of shooting him when he was unarmed, so they believe it was a, an, like a, an execution. This is what they believed. And um, that caused large uh, fighting in the streets and fighting against police. And um, lots of cars were burned, shops were burned. And in that area, there was fighting on Saturday night. And Sunday night, the fighting increased to other parts of the city. So there was um, all sorts of big riots all around London, including places like Brixton and um, where else? Um, Clapham, Ealing, uh, many places in the city. Uh, people were, were sort of destroying everything in the street, burning shops, burning cars, mugging people. Um, what else were they doing? They were also looting. So that's when the rioters smash the window of windows of shops and go into the shops and steal all the things from inside them, looting. Um, it was absolutely terrible. Um, <clears throat> in fact, um, while it was happening, some of my friends back in Birmingham were a bit worried about me and they sent me a, sent me a text saying, oh my God, I've seen the riots on TV, are you okay? And I, of course I replied by saying, yeah, of course I'm fine, I've already got three widescreen TVs and a pair of Nike Air trainers, so I'm fine. Um, that was actually a joke which you might have noticed. Um, if, you haven't, if you didn't notice it, you can rewind and just try and find out what the joke was. Uh, but if you do rewind and listen to it a couple of times, I think you'll get it, right? You should get it. It, it wasn't that funny. Uh, but anyway, the riots. So these are just examples of like when public order goes wrong and people start fighting back against the police. Um, so sometimes the police get heavy against the rioters and they detain rioters. That means like catch them and take them to the police station. So you get detention. And um, of course, um, in certain types of situation, there have been reports of like um, uh, prisoners being treated badly. Um, in prisons or detention centres, um, so there are examples of uh, tour, um, not tourists. No, we don't. We treat our tourists very well. We don't tend to to lock them up. But terrorists—that's what I meant. Tourists, terrorists—they sound kind of the same. Tourists and terrorists, more more syllables in terrorists. Anyway, um, terrorists were who were arrested without actually having done something were kept in prison and apparently sort of tortured and stuff. But those are just allegations. Um, I, I don't know if they're really true or not. That's just what people have said. The word allegation is quite a good word. That's when something is claimed to be true without any evidence. So you would uh, make an allegation in a court and then hopefully you would back it up with some evidence. Right, so that's a, an allegation. And we use the word allegedly as a way of kind of covering ourselves. So you'd say the police tortured um, prisoners, allegedly. And that's a way of saying, I'm not saying that, I'm just saying that other people have claimed that to be true. So you can kind of cover yourself against any legal issues. Um, okay, I think that's, um, that's pretty much it for this episode, the kind of election special episode of Luke's English Podcast. Please do visit my page, click on the link, and please do vote for me, um, because I really want to get to a thousand votes, and then one of you will have the chance to win a fantastic, brand new, fresh Macmillan Dictionary. And I think we all agree there's nothing quite as good as the lovely smell of a fresh new dictionary. Mmm. Oh. I, you know what? I think I might be a bit weird. I might have some kind of weird fetish about this, but I love the smell of a new book or especially a new dictionary because, you know, it's like no one has ever opened it before. You open it to like the middle pages, smell the pages. Oh, they smell good. Smell those words. Smell all that lovely pungent vocabulary. Oh, lovely. 
Can't you wait to get your hands on that flipping brilliant dictionary? I bet you can't. Um, so please do vote for me. There are lots of ways to do it. Just visit my page or Twitter or Facebook or something like that. Now, just to leave you, um, I'm now going to play you a bit of audio, which you might enjoy, on the subject of elections. Now, um, this is uh, from Monty Python's Flying Circus. I've played you some of their stuff before. They're a comedy group from uh, the UK, and they were famous for doing comedy in the 70s, quite a long time ago. But uh, the comedy is still quite fresh, in my opinion. Now, this, um, this uh, sketch you're going to listen to is called uh, the Election Night Special. Election Night Special. Now, in the UK, whenever there's a big general election, uh, there's a TV show uh, on, the, on the BBC called Election Night Special. And it's a very dramatic programme in which they give you all the latest updates on the election and exactly what's happening in every single constituency all around the, the country. And it's very dramatic and very tense. Um, and um, so what they've done uh, in this sketch is they've made fun of a kind of BBC election night special. And in this election, there are three parties, or two main parties. Now, usually in the UK, it's the Conservative Party and the Labour Party. But in this um, sort of silly election, you've got the Sensible Party. So sensible. Um, sensible means you're kind of well-behaved, you make very careful decisions. You're not stupid at all or silly. You're just sensible, both feet on the ground. Right, so the Sensible Party sounds a bit like the Conservative Party, maybe. Sensible Party. And then the other party is called um, the Silly Party. Right, so the Sensible Party and the Silly Party in the election. OK, so you're going to listen to all the results coming through for different constituencies in the Monty Python election night special. And it's very fast and very dramatic. I hope that you can keep up with it. Um, I think I will be able to post a transcript of the election night special. I'm going to try and do that. If I can find the transcripts on the internet, I will post it. Um, so enjoy that, and please do vote for me in my own special election night special. Thank you very much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed this sketch. Cheers. Bye, 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 bye. Hello, good evening, and welcome to election night special. There's tremendous excitement here at the moment, as we should be getting the first results through any moment now. We're not quite sure where it'll be from. It might be from Leicester or from West Byfleet. The polling's been quite heavy in both areas. Oh, and I'm just getting, I'm just getting a buzzing noise in my left ear. <laughs> <laughs> And now let's go straight over to Leicester. And it's a straight fight here at Leicester, and we're expecting the result any moment now. There with the returning officer is Arthur Smith, the sensible candidate, and next to him is Jethro Q. Walrus Titty, the silly candidate with his agent and his silly wife. Uh, here, here is the, the result for Leicester. Arthur J. Smith. Sensible party. 30,612. Jethro Q. Bunwacket Buzzard Stubble and Boot Walrus Titty. Silly party. 33,108. Well, there you have it, the first result of the election now, and the silly party have held Leicester Norman. Well, pretty much as I predicted, except that the silly party won. Uh, <laughs> I think this is largely due to the number of votes cast. Quite, Gerald? Quite. Well, there's a big swing here to the silly party, but how big a swing, I'm not going to tell you. I think one should point out here that in this constituency, uh, since the last election, a lot of very silly people have moved into new housing estates, with the result that a lot of sensible voters have moved further down the road, the other side of number uh, uh, 29. Well, I can't add anything to that. Colin? Uh, can I just say this is the first time I've been on television? No, I'm sorry, there isn't time. Um, we're just going straight over to Luton. Well, here at Luton, it's a three-cornered contest between... From, from left to right, Alan Jones, sensible party... 
Tarquin Fintim Limbim, Limbim Bim Bim Bim, bus stop for Tank for Tank Ole Biscuit Barrel. <laughs> Silly party. And Kevin Phillips Bong, who is running on the slightly silly ticket. And here's the result. Alan Jones. Sensible. 9,112. Kevin Phillips Bong. Slightly silly. Not. <laughs> Tarquin Vintin Limbin Wimbim Limbim bus stop for Tang for Tang. Olay Biscuit Barrel. Silly. 12,441. Well, there you have it, the first result of the election there as the city party take Luton normally. Well, this is a very significant result. Luton normally, a very sensible constituency with a high proportion of people who aren't a bit silly, has gone completely gaga. And we just heard that James Gilbert has with him the winning city candidate at Luton. Tarquin, are you uh, pleased with this result? Oh, yes, me old beauty, I should say so. <laughs> Do we have the swing at Luton? Uh, no. Right. Well, um, I can't add anything to that, Colin. Can I just say that this is the second time I've been on television? No, I'm sorry, there isn't time. Uh, we're just about to get another result. And this one is from Harpenden South East. A very interesting constituency, this. In addition to the official silly candidate, there is an unofficial very silly candidate in the slab of concrete. And he could well split the silly vote here at Harpenden South East. This is Elsie Silly. 26,317. Jeanette Walker. Sensible. 26,318. That is very close. Malcolm Peter Brown Telescope, Adrian Blackpool Rock, Stoat Gobbler, John Raw Vegetable, <laughs> Norman Michael, <laughs> Edward, <laughs> Thomas Moo will keep a welcome in. <laughs> William. Raindrops keep falling on my... Don't sleep in the subway. No! Smith. Very silly. Two. Well, there you have it. A sensible gain there at Harpenden with the city vote being split. And uh, we've just heard from Luton that Tony Stratton-Smith has with him there the unsuccessful, slightly silly candidate, Kevin Phillips Bong. Tell him, Phillips, bong. You poll no votes at all. Not a sausage. Bugger all. Are you at all disappointed with this performance? Not at all. As I always say, climb every mountain, ford every stream, follow every byway till you find your dream. A dream that will last all the love you can give Every day of your life For as long as you live All together Climb every mountain For the very... The very brave Kevin Phillips Bonner Norman And uh... Oh, shut up Can I just say I've... I've just heard from Luton that my aunt is ill. Uh, possibly gastroenteritis, possibly just Qatar. Gerald. Right, and um, Colin? Can I just say he'll never appear on television again? No, I'm sorry, there isn't time, because we have to bring up a few results you may have missed. A little pink pussycat has taken Barrow in Furness. Uh, that's a gain from the Liberals there. Um, 
Rastus Odinga Oginga has taken Wolverhampton southwest. That's uh, Enoch Powell's old constituency. An important gain there for Darky Power. Um, Arthur Negus has held Bristol's. That's uh, not a result, that's just a bit of gossip. Um, Sir Alec Douglas Hume has taken Oldham for the Stone Dead Party. And a, a small piece of putty about that big, a cheese mechanic from Dunbar, and two frogs, one called Kipper and the other one not, have all gone nick, 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 in Blackpool Central. And so it's beginning to look like a silly landslide when the prospect of five more years of silly government facing us. We. Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm bored. He's right, you know. It is a bloody waste of time. Absolute waste. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.podomatic.com.